You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content, and you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we are going to focus on this idea of veteran cuts and this is premised on an article written by Greg Rosendahl over at NFL.com. He he suggested some names of veteran players around the league who could be salary cap casualties. And for our purposes, that means potential players the Packers could be signing. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about specifically one of those players Uh, It would have been two had the Packers not made it clear they're going to keep Jimmy Graham, but that might also give us some hints at what they're going to do with Nick Perry or not do, and that is the player that we're going to talk about a little bit later in this context. Nick Perry, someone who is not going to, in all likelihood, live up to the cost of his contract in 2019 and how the Packers ought to deal with his situation. But let's start with this list from Greg, and and the work that he does is always excellent. Remember, these are not reports. These are Greg using you know his, his powers of observation, his powers of perception, and then the inside information that he may otherwise have. But remember, again, this is not a report. It's not a report necessarily that these guys are going to be cut. Now, in some cases, there are reports and there are hints and there have been writings on the wall. And because we're not going to get into each of these cases in a ton of detail, uh, I want to put them in buckets. There are three buckets that I think you can you can put the players that the Packers might have interest in should they be cut. And the the first bucket is what I call pedigree projects. So these are guys who were first-round picks, who did not live up to their first-round billing and either uh, are, are going to be owed too much money or a team simply cannot afford to pay whatever their, their contract is. In the case of Nelson Aguilar, for example, his fifth-year option is too big relative to what he gives to the Eagles. And the, it's, it's going to be hard for Philly to keep the core of their team intact and pay him that number if they wanted to give him an extension – they could do that and erase that year, but in all likelihood, they're not going to be able to get him down off of that first year cost. The other bucket, it's a smaller bucket, aging veterans, guys who are going to be cut because they are uh, past their prime and whatever contract they were signed to, they're just no longer uh, worthy of it. And then there are uh, value plays, guys who could come in and still be high-level contributors but are not worth what in almost every case was top of market money 
for their positions. And let's so let's start with those pedigree projects. I mentioned Nelson Aguilar. Uh, I have I have said on the show before. I don't think receiver is a high need position for the Packers or or a position where they need to spend significant resources retooling this team. That said, if someone like Nelson Aguilar, who I thought was a first-round talent coming out of USC and who has just been underutilized, he played really poorly early in his career, came around and showed some really nice things, he is not going to be worth the big fifth year of his contract that he is due, and Philly is in cap hell. Uh, now they can, they can lighten some of that load by moving on from other players, but it just seems unlikely that even with some, some machinations elsewhere, he would be someone that they would say, this is worth the money we're going to pay you in 2019 and potentially beyond not with Alshon Jeffrey and not with as often as, as Philly uses their tight ends. Aguilar could come in right away and, and fit with the need, the kind of receiver Green Bay is lacking and the, the kind of guy that they had, you know, there are a lot of similarities in his game to someone like Greg Jennings, that quick twitch ability to get open in a hurry to make plays down the field. And, uh, you know, I think especially under the old system, the Mike McCarthy system would have been a great fit, but could also be, you know, that, that Taylor Gabriel type. He's not as fast as explosive over the top but can get open in, in some similar kinds of ways and has enough deep speed to be a vertical threat. Uh, I really like the way that he fits in in terms of building a receiver room. Uh, in that same vein, I think just this would be just a pure talent play. Devontae Parker uh, for the Miami Dolphins, Not some, there was someone that, that they had actively tried to trade and they were trying to figure out what what his what his deal was because every once in a while he would have a big game and you'd go yeah that's the guy that's the first round player we thought we were getting well that's not the guy you get week in and week out and maybe he just needs a change of scenery maybe he needs a new quarterback you know playing with Aaron Rodgers you know can turn around your career in a hurry then there are two young athletic pass rushers who have had varying degrees of success early in their career, but who, again, are not going to be worth the first round, high first round pick in the case of Vic Beasley money that they're going to be getting. And it's possible that their teams just say, look, we, we can't afford to pay you. We've invested other resources in the case of Atlanta and Vic Beasley. They used a high pick on Tack McKinley. And right now he, he probably has the better long-term future. The same thing in Pittsburgh with Bud Dupree. They drafted T.J. Watt. I don't have to remind Packer fans that they did that, um, but he could be someone that they say, look, we drafted T.J. Watt. Uh, he's a better player than you. W- whether they're going to, they're not going to get huge contracts, but they could be solid players. We saw Vic Beasley go off as a rookie in the right situation. If you're putting him in sub-package situations and letting him go hunt the quarterback, he can still be useful for you. Now, in this aging veteran bucket, there are two guys that are worth mentioning here, Donald Penn and Deshaun Jackson. Donald Penn, 35 years old, uh, and is is not someone that I think has a ton of upside, but as a Jari Evans-type signing. Insurance with Brian Bulaga, uh, and, and we assume they're going to they're gonna hold on to Bulaga. They don't have a, an obvious a number two option there. So, you know, I think all of the the noise around, oh, are they going to keep Brian Bulaga? Yes, 
Yes. 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 Can we stop saying that? Yes. Let's stop talking about it. But having a veteran who can come in and, and play reasonably well, if he does, if and when, let's be honest, when he gets hurt, that would be pretty helpful for this team. And then Deshaun Jackson, who isn't isn't super old, but has certainly aged out of, you know, where he is the the sort of top flight deep threat weapon. That said, he he led the league in yards per catch not that long ago. He can still get down the field. He can still run. And while I don't think, you know, the the take the top off the defense uh, issue is as big a deal with the Matt LaFleur offense just because of the spacing and the way that that they utilize play action and, and all of the different t- talents on this team. I don't think it's as important in Matt LaFleur's offense as it would have been in Mike McCarthy's offense, but his ability to get down the field is still elite. And I think it would give this team a dynamic that it hasn't had and, and a dynamic that it hasn't had with a player that they trust down the field. You can still call plays for Deshaun Jackson. Are you, even after a year of, of some quality production, going to trust Marquez Valdez-Scantling to do that? Maybe and maybe not. Now, in the value bucket, there are three guards that I think are, are potential day one starters if, if they were to get cut and Green Bay should aggressively pursue. Two of them are names you absolutely know, TJ Lang and Josh Sitton. And maybe if Josh Sitton is available, you say, hey, Josh, you're going to go back to left guard. Lane Taylor can play right guard. And that's it. That's great. If TJ Lang is available, he slides back in at right guard, done deal. And even if they have bad tastes in their mouths over how their exits were handled, it's easy to say, look, new GM, new coach, new regime. This is a new administration. And this is your opportunity to come home where where you are beloved to play for a quarterback that you like to play for, to play next to guys that you've played with. The, they, they love Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari. They loved Corey Lindsley. So I, I think those are no-brainers. Um, the other guard is Kelechi Semele, And I, I just, day one, right guard, that's it. You got a starter and, and a potentially a high-level starter uh, when it comes to bringing in Kelechi Semele. I, I think that is something that would make a lot of sense if he becomes available. We'll see if he does. And then Justin Houston, I, I got some questions about him. It looks like Kansas City is going to prioritize D Ford, that he's probably going to get the franchise tag. Um, there were there's some levels of reporting, Frank Clark, Jadavion Clowney, uh, D Ford, some of the big names that have been out there in terms of free agent pass rushers that, that could be linked to Green Bay or that Green Bay could have interest in. It looks like most of them are going to get the franchise tag, but it's going to be hard for Kansas City to justify keeping Justin Houston, given what he is at this point in his career, Green Bay is not going to have to pay him $20 million. Now, he might, he might feel like he's worth that. He's not. And I don't think the league is going gonna, is gonna to be out there trying to pay him a bunch of money. He also um, may want to be in the market for a championship team. Uh, the, the Chiefs did not do a ton of playoff winning. They did some nice winning in the last couple of years, but not a lot of playoff success. And I'm sure he would like to compete for a championship. The culture in Kansas City is not dissimilar from the culture in Green Bay in terms of the rabid fan base and the history and all of that. So there's an intuitive fit there. And, and I also like the idea of Zach Brown, a linebacker who can run. 
he is a better modern fit for the game than Antonio Morrison. Although Morrison, you know, downhill thumping linebacker brings an attitude and a demeanor that the Packers otherwise would lack. But given the way that the modern NFL looks, I think Zach Brown would be a really nice veteran presence that to have in the game that that can lead Oren Burks on his way, because I'm not ready to give up on Oren Burks. I don't think the Packers are ready to give up on Oren Burks. And I think if you look at someone like Zach Brown at his peak, when he's playing his best, that's the kind of player that you look at Burks and say, hey, look at Zach Brown. That is the kind of career you can have if you stay healthy. And to have him on the team would make it pretty easy to make that kind of connection. The name that that Rosenthal gave for the Packers was Nick Perry. And it's not hard to, to see why. 2019, he's owed 14.4 million. 2020, 14.3. 2021, $14.1 million. And that's just too much. And I understand why the Packers gave him the contract they did, came off a great season. And, and if that were the guy that they were going to get every year, then you just say, fine. Uh, but that's not it. Now, the problem is you, cutting him outright doesn't really save you that much money this year because of the guaranteed money, because of the signing bonus. Um, this is this is how these NFL contracts work. Signing bonus money is guaranteed money. It doesn't have to actually be paid at the signing bonus. It's not an you don't actually get it. Unlike you know, if you sign if you get a signing bonus in uh, in the world, that money is paid to you up front. In the NFL, that money is spread out over the years of the contract in terms of the cap hit. But if you release the player, this is where dead money comes in. Then all that money gets accelerated, and you owe that money up front. Same reason why if the if the Steelers try and trade Antonio Brown, they owe him guaranteed money that they have to pay him. And so the the money right now that Green Bay can avoid. So if they cut Perry, they're only going to save about 3.3 million dollars next season on the cap. There's a case to be made. Well, then just keep him on the team. If you're only saving 3 million dollars, just keep him on the team. The other option is, so let's say they keep him, you cut him after 2020, and that is that is when the dead money hit uh, becomes significantly less. You've got $7.4 million in dead cap in 2020, but you'd save about $7 million in the salary cap. This is the thing about the way the CBA works. They allow teams to release a player, designate him as a post-June 1 cut, not something Green Bay has actually done, but something that teams have recently done, and that money comes off the cap in June. So you can't June 1 a player and then use that money per se. So if, if the Packers designate Nick Perry as a June 1 uh, cut, they save the $4.8 million dollars right away on the roster bonus. He would get a bonus for being on the roster in mid-March, and if he's still on the roster, they have to pay him that $4.8 million. If he's not, then you save that money. And it, it becomes, as of June 2nd, 10.7 total million dollars in savings with just 3.7 million in dead cap. Now, these are a lot of numbers, 
it's a lot of math, but trust me when I tell you that you would rather save almost $11 million on the cap, even if it's after the bulk of free agency has happened, because you want a cushion. You want to be able to sign Bashad Breland. You want to be able to sign Ibrahim Campbell. And I know those players got minimum level deals, but if someone becomes available and you can trade for them, or someone gets cut in August, if there's a Josh Sitton that gets cut in August, you want to be in a position to sign him. $10 million, you could sign your draft class with $10 million. That is a big chunk of money. No, you can't use it in free agency. You can use part of it because that roster bonus, but you're still going to be able to have a significant chunk of money that you're saving. The problem with all of this is you don't have anyone else. It's Kyler Fackrell, and that's it. I mean, unless you have faith that Kendall Donerson can become a rotation-level player in 2019, they don't have anyone else. They don't. Clay Matthews is an is a unrestricted free agent. Reggie Gilbert might not be on this team. They had to cut Vince Beagle because he's not very good. So the only guy who's definitely under contract in 2019 is Kyler Fackrell. So the only guy under contract who you know can give you any kind of snaps is Kyler Fackrell. That is a dangerous position to be in. So what you could do, you could designate Nick Perry as a June 1 cut, bring back Clay Matthews on a small money deal, and you sign a free agent. You have to sign a free agent. You don't have to sign Brandon Graham. You don't have to sign Frank Clark. You don't have to sign a, a big name. It could be a Bud Dupree if he gets cut. It could be a Vic Beasley if he gets cut. It could be a Zadarius Smith if Baltimore decides that they don't want to pay him. You just need bodies there. Green Bay showed last year with their pass rush, they don't necessarily need J.J. Watt. They don't necessarily need Von Miller. But you need capable players, and they didn't have enough of them last year. So if you're going to move on from Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, that's fine in a vacuum. But you have to have a plan for how you're going to fill those spots after that. So the financially prudent decision may be saying, Nick Perry, look, you can't possibly meet the value of this contract. So we're going to release you. There has to be a plan in place because there's just not enough other guys. So if you feel comfortable rolling with Kyler Fackrell, whoever you can get at 12, whoever you else you can get in the draft, and someone in free agency, fine. Then, then that is the way to go. You can also keep him one more year, let Clay Matthews walk, and sign someone because they have cap space. They have the cap space to go after a top-level pass rusher. That is, it, it's not a bad option. It's not, I guess, okay, it's not a terrible option. <laughs> it, you are, you're basically saying, look, we have put ourselves in a position that is so disadvantageous from a roster construction standpoint because of critical misses at this position and, you know, critical players' inability to stay healthy. If Nick Perry were consistently healthy, he's really good. He's a really good player. And we've seen it. When he's been healthy, he's been good. He's just never healthy. And, and you can't play the, well, what if game. 
You just can't. Not, not at $14 million a year. He's one of the highest paid edge rushers in the game. You just can't abide that. So you have to be looking at some of these veteran cuts. You have to be looking at free agency. And you have to be making this calculation. If we don't move on from Nick Perry, where do we go from here? That has to be what the Packers are asking themselves. And it's not an easy question. I, I, it's easy for me to sit here behind a microphone and say, this is what the backers should do with their money, and this is what the financially prudent decision is. Okay, that's nice. Now what? What is the plan beyond that? Because it's only a financially prudent decision if you're going to use that money and you're going to use the assets at your disposal to improve the position in another way. Because if you're not, if you're not going to draft an impact edge rusher, and you're not going to sign an impact edge rusher, then what are you doing with that money? What are you doing with that draft capital? How are you making your team better? And then what are you doing with Nick Perry? They all work together. They all work in concert with one another because they're all related. It's all part of the team building process, and you have to be able to look at all of it and say, how do these work together? What is, the, what is the bigger overarching plan? Who are the players that they like in the draft? Who are the players they think they could sign or want to sign in free agency? Those decisions have to be made through the lens of Nick Perry and vice versa. What are we going to do with Nick Perry, Brian, Russ? They have to look at each other and say that. What are we going to do with them? And, and if we do X then what is Y's plan? What does Y look like? Who are those players? What ideally does the roster look like in 2019? And I've made my case that it's there's a first-round pass rusher in there, there's someone like Anthony Barr, and I almost don't care what happens with Nick Perry. Saving the money would be nice. Having him on the team would be nice. It depends on what they're going to do with the money otherwise. If they're not going to spend it, then keep him, keep him because what else you'd rather have the opportunity for him to help your team. But if you, if you plan on spending that money and this is why I think it's interesting, they haven't said anything. It came out several weeks ago that the Packers intended to pick up the Jimmy Graham roster bonus. We don't have any reports on the Nick Perry roster bonus, but he has one and it's almost as big. And so the fact that we don't have any confirmation yet might be telegraphing what Green Bay intends to do with this contract. They may have already made these calculations and looked around and said, these are the free agents and the draft guys that we like. And as a result, Nick Perry can't be on this team anymore. I think there's a better chance than not that he's gone. And I think Because it's the financially smart thing to do, and Green Bay with Russ Ball generally does the financially smart thing, that he will be a June 1 cut, they might already be hinting at that. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow and then Wednesday, Thursday. This is another four show a week. This is what we're doing. This is the off-season schedule, and we're going to have at least one guest on to try and talk draft. And I I told you I wanted to get some free agency talk uh, because obviously free agency hits before the draft does. So I had an interesting interaction on Twitter the other day with Andy Herman 
from Cheesehead TV and Jack Wepfer from uh, Packers Wire, who each have this sort of congruent worldview of free agency and what they think it ought to look like and how the Packers ought to tackle it. And I don't share it. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. And so I'm going to have them on and they're going to explain it to me uh, like I'm five. I, I just, I don't get it and I want them to explain it and I think it'll be a good discussion. So we're going to have our first ever, hopefully if we can get the schedules to work, our first ever dual guest segment. It's not going to be around the horn, but it'll, it'll still be hopefully a fun discussion about free agency and, and how they think the Packers ought to use this offseason in relation to this season and next season and next offseason and a, a sort of longer view picture of building this team. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe, leave a rating, a review. It, it really does help us when you do this. It helps spread the word about Locked on Packers. It helps tell iTunes and Spotify that people are listening, that people like us. So please go do that. Do it for me. It is Make a Friend Monday. So tell a friend if you like Locked on Packers. Get them to like Locked on Packers. Be like, hey, pull it up. Go to Spotify, iTunes, pull it up, subscribe. You got it. Perfect. Now you're in. Now they're in, and they can do Make a Friend Monday next week. That is what we're doing here. This is a community. Let's keep on growing it at any time. You want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. <laughs>